The MLS playoffs are in full swing, and for the home teams in the conference semifinals, things are looking pretty good. This is the SBI Show. I am Garrett Cleverly. With me, as always, is Ivis Galarsep. And Ivis, before we talk about the playoffs, how was your Halloween? Did you raid your kids' candy yet? Uh, no, I did not. Not yet. Uh, but Halloween was pretty good. It was pretty good. The kids, uh, you know, they're they're not they're not old enough yet to 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 be down. Uh, you know, they still want to dress up, so that's good. Um, Are they in like the rollerblade stage yet? You know, they can, that way they can get more candy. No, I'm not oh, even. That. They're not there yet. My twelve year old is soon. my twelve year old is on the verge of not even caring anymore. <laughs> uh, and uh, no, it was a good time. Took him around. Took him a couple different neighborhoods and. Uh, it, it, where I live, it's still a thing, you know. People still trick or treat. It's it's nice, um, you know. It was good. It was kind of weird that it was on a Saturday though. It was the first one uh, that I can remember. You know, well, <laughs> I guess in a years? while. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, yeah, my but back then, my kid, you know, my my youngest wasn't trick or treating, so yeah. it would have just been my oldest as an eight year old. So I don't know how we did it then, but this time around, it was pretty good. It was pretty good. Nice man. Very nice. You, you, you'll be doing that pretty soon. So by, by the time the next Saturday rolls around, you know, little Garrett Jr. will be uh, trick-or-treating. God, that could be true. Oof. Yes. Scary. Scary. It's very scary. We were at Disneyland this weekend, my fiance and I, and she kept seeing all these babies and was like, aren't they so cute? Mm-hmm. Like, there it goes. Like, and they're like, you know, princess outfits or... Yeah, I was, it was a little you're, much, you're just, How much alcohol did you have to drink to get through that? <laughs> well, the only... Well, first of all, alcohol there is like expensive as heck, so... You had a flask. Yeah. No, I didn't do that. I was sober. But Disney's fun, you know? It's you get the emotional <laughs> high. You'll never you it's it's never the same when you go with kids though. So at least you got to enjoy it as as uh with no children. I know, so. dude. I was like watching all these parents. I, I feel like it was this is a show. <laughs> it was like, it's a ch- listen, man. It's a chore. Amusement I parks. Know, I mean it's it, it's cool to take your kids to amusement parks because I mean you enjoy seeing them have fun. But it it's not like for it's. I mean, I'm not. I don't want to speak for all parents, but I, I my impression is that amusement park trips are not much fun at all for parents. I mean, it's it's. I mean, you have to deal that's, with so much. That's what I'm saying, dude. There were like people struggling, pushing on strollers. Kids were crying. Look, if you're in college, listening to this it, show man. or young, stay single for as long as you can. Nah, it's all part of it, man. It's all part of it. I know. I know. Why well, is enough about getting old and <laughs> living in the real world? <laughs> parenting and, and, and adulthood. I know, man. In a few years, once I get married, we could start a The Married Life with Ivis Glorsa and Garrett Cleverly podcast show. Think about that, Ivis. We <laughs> could do it. All right. Enough about getting old and, as I said, living in the real world. MLS playoffs. I'm full swing. Conference semifinals, awesome day on Sunday. It was great about it. It ended with a spectacular game between FC Dallas, Seattle Sounders. I mean, what, what a way to end the weekend on such a high note. And for Seattle, Ivis, what a comeback for them in the second half to score two goals. You're feeling pretty good of Seattle going into that second leg, which will be on the road. And for FC Dallas, look, you had a great game. Just failed to capitalize on opportunities. But, man, Seattle, Ivis, proven that they are a team to be reckoned with in the playoffs right now. Uh, I think most people, I don't think anyone's surprised by that. I mean, I think once they beat the Galaxy, and I know we didn't do a show since that match, but we all, I think most people figured that if they were able to finally get over that hurdle of the Galaxy, the team that would always seem to find a way to eliminate them, if they got through them, they'd be kind of that team that, that, that everyone could see making a run. And it's interesting that they come into this tournament, into this uh, playoff round as the, the fourth seed going up against the number one seed, FC Dallas. But I think the consensus in the public was that FC Dallas is the underdog. 
but credit FC Dallas, you know, they got the away goal. Fabian Castillo sort of scores that goal and kind of scores that goal and puts it. But credit to Seattle, you know, they shook it off and they really turned it on in the second half. And Andreas Ivanschitz, I mean, you got the goal he scores. That's really the, the, the tide turner because at that point, the Sounders really took control. Oh, they definitely took control in the, you know, in the second half. And, I mean, one player in particular, obviously, scores the game-winning goal in this one. Clint Dempsey has really come on for Seattle. And I was, a couple weeks ago, we were talking about, I mean, Seattle needs Clint Dempsey. Where has he been? And, dude, just like that, goal against the Galaxy, goal against FC Dallas. I mean, Clint Dempsey's uh, heating up at the right time. No question about it. I mean, he, he without him uh, playing well, you can't see them winning the title. Uh, and I know a lot of people were wondering – is it a case of someone in a slump or is it a case of a player who's at a certain age who maybe he's losing losing a little bit on his fastball and he's not going to get it back? Uh, I think anyone who saw him in the CONCACAF Cup had some real questions about just where he is. What, what, how's, you know, can he get it back? Is he still the Clint Dempsey of old? And even in Seattle, surprisingly enough, there's there have been question marks about about what he's done in Seattle, has he been worth it for Seattle? I think there was apparently there was a, there was a report in, in one of the Seattle, the Seattle newspapers asking that very question. And, and if you're Clint Dempsey and be in the competitor that he is, I'm sure he's aware of that. And I'm sure he even you know even in himself he knew he need, needed to step up in these playoffs. And even after this game, you know he, he said he's like you know he needed this it's about time he scored on one of these free kicks i mean he's 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 taken them all year and he's had a couple come close but to finally put one in at the right time you know when they absolutely needed it is huge so they go back to dallas second leg they have the one goal lead mm-hmm. i know fc dallas has the away goal but i don't think that's going to matter much because i just don't see fc dallas shutting out seattle i just don't see it happening i think the crazy part about it is i think you know they going back to dallas playing on the grass is is not a bad thing for seattle i think the way they play I think they. I think they'll be. It's going to be a wide open game, and uh, you know the thing is, if you're FC Dallas, you can't go toe to toe with the Sounders. How do you play them? You kind of have to defend and counter. And I just think Seattle is going to just be too much. They're just going to put too much pressure on them. Well, that's the thing you have to wonder where FC Dallas is at right now. Last year played against the Seattle Sounders in the playoffs. Seattle was ended up advancing to the next round. And for FC Dallas, you look at it, Ivis, I mean, against the Seattle Sounders, FC Dallas had an overall pretty good game. They just didn't take advantage of their opportunities. So, you know, having this adversity, now you're at home. Last year you have the Sounders in the back of your mind. I mean, you wonder what the message is going to be from Oscar Brea to these guys when they face Seattle next week. Well, I mean, I think when you if you're Oscar Brea, you tell your team, look, you played well. You played well enough to win, and I didn't get a sense. I know Seattle ended up winning, but I didn't get the sense that, that Dallas was afraid of them. I didn't get a sense that they were overwhelmed by the moment. I just think it's a case of Seattle's quality came through at the end, and they had some big plays by some big-time players. I mean, Ivanchitz with the goal that he scores. I mean, that talk about a goal that kind of – at that, before that goal comes, you're kind of wondering, is, is Seattle done here? Mm-hmm. And then he, he just steps up makes the run and then hits the 20-yard left-footed blast past Jesse Gonzalez. I mean, that, showed, that really just turned the tide. So between that goal and Clint Dempsey's goal, it took two great, stunning goals to give Seattle this lead. So if you're FC Dallas, you, you're not you know crazy about being down 2-1, but you you got the away goal, and you know, you, you've done pretty well at home. The FC Dallas has one of the better home records in the league this year. So... I don't think they're dead. I wouldn't say they're dead, and I don't. I don't think they're they're shaken. I, if, if the sense we get from this team is, it's a much more confident team than they were last year, and they're going to go back home feeling good about being able to win. Now, do I think they will win? No. I just think Seattle. I think Seattle's due, man. I think I think they're just they. Siggy Schmidt. Uh, I give him credit. You know, he, he's had to deal with some some issues, some injury mm-hmm. issues. Obviously, Osvaldo Osvaldo Alonso. 
uh, didn't play in this game. If you don't, you're not using Pineda, you're going with Andy Rose, who's done well there. Uh, they're going deep in their bench. No, no Brad they, Evans. No Brad Evans. Brad Evans is that's a huge, yeah. huge loss for them because. Uh, no offense to Zach Scott, but I just think there's a big drop off. I think Zach Scott's—he's a, a veteran, uh, he's a smart player, but he's a bit—he's a—he's a liability in, in some ways. So credit to Shiggy Schmidt—he's—he's he's managed to plug guys in and keep it rolling. And those signings—you know—when they had those signings in the summer, I know so, there were some people who thought, okay, this isn't going to be enough to, to help them get over the hump. But when you look at, you know, Val, Valdez has shown some signs. Ivanchitz is, is definitely now in the playoffs a couple times now. He's shown some signs. So you add those guys to what they already have with Martins, Dempsey, Papa. They got some weapons, man. So I, I think for me, I, I really like what, they, what, they, what they've shown. And I think they'll need Brad Evans to get all the way. But as far as beating mm-hmm. Dallas, I think they have enough weapons to beat Dallas. Well, Seattle's on a roll right now, unbeaten in their last 10 games. Last week, they defeated the LA Galaxy in the knockaround. We didn't have a chance to talk about this game. They won 3-2 to two against LA, and I guess we talked about this. I mean, LA struggled. They weren't struggling, but they were down in form heading into the playoffs. And, you know, you figure LA, veteran team, they know how to turn it on. They just they did, but it wasn't enough against Seattle, who defeated them in the knockout round. No, I get it. LA's defense was terrible in that game, and and not to take anything away from Seattle, because they definitely stepped up and, and took advantage of of the opportunities that presented themselves. But LA, if you're if you're supposed to be the defending champions, you cannot make the kind of mistakes that they made in this game. And there was a, plenty of blame to go around. I know Donovan Ricketts is going to get some of the blame, but but yet other guys make other guys make mistakes. Omar Gonzalez, Steven Gerrard, even though he tried to put it on Ricketts on that one play where he kind of he let the guy just run in. Uh, it was just ugly, man. It was ugly all around, and and you, it, this isn't a shock, man. It's been since August, since late August, they have not played well. And you know, when they were winning the title on a consistent basis, they usually had one of the best defenses in the league. They do not have that anymore. They didn't have it this year. And having Omar Gonzalez, uh, his his form dropped the way it's ha- it has. Uh, I mean, he he goes from a guy who at the, you know when he was at his best was the best defender in the league. To now, he's a guy who's good for a big blunder every game, and I don't know what's going on with him. I don't know what his deal is. Sometimes players go through that kind of stuff, and he he this year this was that kind of year for him. Uh, and it's interesting because you wonder if you're LA, you're going into this offseason. I'm pretty sure he's out of contract. What do you do? Do you resign him? Do you let him go? Does he go if you're him? Do you want to stick around? Do you want to try something new? Uh, that that's kind of that's going to be interesting to see what what happens on that front. But I mean, if you're Serena, you're looking at it. And and the way the season ended, and you have to ask yourself: Is do we keep this group together? Is this a group that just needs a full season together? Because I mean, there's doubts about that. Steven Gerrard, and you know, I, I know I've I've stepped in and, and as he, there's been criticism of him, and I've kind of not always been on board with it. But uh, he he didn't show a ton. He didn't show a ton during his time, and uh, well, in terms these- of a fit. In terms of a fit with this group, I don't know. I don't know about him fitting with this group. Well, you know, Ivis, not, not everyone comes over at the midway point and is lights out. Some players do struggle. That could be the case here. Well, that's that's fair. But he's also a lot. He's older. I mean, yes. he's older in his career. And I just think when you look at the pieces that they had there, I feel like, they, you know, you go get a Geo, you go get a Steven Gerrard, and then you have to shoehorn them into your group. Uh, a group that was pretty good already. And now, you know, when you look, some, what stands out for me, something that stood out for me, 
is Juninho and how he he is how his role diminished on this team. You could argue you could argue Juninho was the MVP of the team of last year. I mean, you could argue he was one of the best midfielders in the league last year. And this year, when they brought in Gio and, and Gerard, Juninho's his just kind of role diminished. He's like he's kind of disappeared. Uh, and it stood out to me, especially in the Seattle game, because if you remember last year in the Seattle play, in the playoffs, he scored the goal. He scored the decisive goal in Seattle to eliminate the Sounders. And this year, he was on the field, and you wouldn't have even known he was on the field. It was like he was invisible. And uh, it's just, I don't know. And, it, and I don't put it down to him because, I, I mean, I know the kind of player he is. He's got years in the league under his belt. I don't think it's a case of his, him diminishing his player. I think it's his role has been diminished. So, you know, could these guys with a year under their belts – uh, could Gerard and Gio fit better next year with an you know give them a give them a full training camp with the group? Could it could it work? Possibly, but I don't know, man. I don't know if that if all those pieces fit together. They're definitely a talented group, and uh, look, Bruce Arena is going to have a, a long off season to think about that. Now, over in the Eastern Conference, New York Red Bulls on the road defeated DC United, who came out looked pretty good. However, I guess they looked extremely exhausted in this match. New York essentially then went on to dominate the match. Bill Hamid, look, if he didn't stand on his head. New York would have scored a couple goals, but it was Dax McCarty on a set piece in New York on the road. Dude, I guess they just keep plugging along here. I, I don't think it was the case of D.C. looking exhausted. That's just how they are. They're just not a team that's overly dynamic. And I know they had a couple. <laughs> this is this is real. Shots fired. Anyone who's watched them play, I mean, I don't know how you could argue that. That's just how they are. I know they had some nice moments against New England. And full credit to D.C. They they took it to New England. And, you know, you can argue about the, the handball that wasn't called at the end, which definitely is a point to be made in that in in the New England series. But they played well in that game. They scored some nice goals in that game. Uh, but you know, you feel like under normally that's not DC. Normally, DC grinds out games. It's not you, know, you might get some set pieces, that kind of thing. And and I think the Red Bulls with their how organized they are defensively, it wasn't going to happen. And you know, they, they, it, it, Red Bulls comfortably won this game. Mm-hmm. And I know DC fans will hang their hats on the fact that Ronald Zubar should have gotten red carded. And I don't disagree with that. I think it was an ugly challenge, really, really ugly challenge that. Most MLS refs give them a red card for, but they didn't. They didn't, and you know that that's a fair point. It's a fair point to bring up. But again, you know, you get you get some big calls, and 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 then you don't get some big calls because if you're DC, if you're DC fan, you can argue that. But at the same time, it, it can be argued that hey, you should it should have been a handball on Sean Franklin, and if New England gets a penalty kick, who knows if DC's even still in this in in the playoffs? So, uh, I, if I if I'm a DC fan, I probably spend less time worrying about. Zubar not getting red, and more time worrying about how my attack doesn't really test Luis Robles at all in this game. Well, and that is that going to change when they go to Red Bull Arena? I don't think it is. Well, that's the thing that Ben Olsen has to be worrying about. I mean, just when you when you look at DC, I mean, look at least their fans can hang the hats, and the t- and DC can hang the fact that they only gave up one goal. Because New York should have scored a couple goals in this game, especially in the second half. And Bill, I mean, had a fantastic game. But if you're Ben Olsen, Ivis. I mean, you're missing some players, which, yes, I, I know that hurts them. But just when you look at the options that he has, things change. But, I mean, dude, it just doesn't look like D.C. can do anything to really now overcome New York on the road. They're, they're, they, need, they need a playmaker. They don't have one. You cannot – you're not winning uh, with a midfield – central midfield pairing of Perry Kitchen and, and, and Marcus Halstey. I mean, it's just not – in, in terms of all the teams that were in the playoffs, I mean, in terms of lack of creativity in the middle, I mean that 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 that's them. 
They're the poster boys. Now, I know, look, Fabian, Fabian Espinola was very active. He definitely tried to do, he he did his part from the standpoint of he was very active. He was a handful uh, for the Red Bulls defense. And even Saborio, you know, tried to make some things happen. But I don't know, man. I just don't think the D.C. midfield just was thoroughly outplayed. And and I think the way the Red Bulls play, the fact that they have the extra numbers in the middle makes things tough. It makes things tough for, for a team like D.C., when not only do the Red Bulls have the superior personnel, but then they have the numbers because they play that five-man midfield. They have the extra man in midfield, which just helps them smother D.C. that much more. So I don't know how they're going to do it. I really don't. And I guess from that standpoint, maybe you can understand why DC's, if D.C. fans will, will be even more adamant about, this, about the Zubar call. Because you know what? If that red card is shown, then you know Red Bulls are without – Two center backs because Damian Parnell hurt his knee and it's look it looks pretty serious. Like he might not be available for them for the next game. So all of a sudden you're down to your fourth center back if you're the Red Bulls and you have Carl Wiemet, who's who's I mean I think he's still available for them and he's actually shown well for them. But uh, I don't know, man. I, you know, if DC United. I mean, I had them. They actually were. When, I don't know if you saw that. I, I ranked the teams from one to twelve in terms of the, uh, their chances of, of actually winning the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And DC was the lowest team for me. They, they, I didn't make them a one percent chance, like I did New England a few years ago, and, and they made a banner and everything. I should have made. I should have made DC my one percent team. I guess I should have because then they could have made a banner as well. But I, I put them at two percent, and the reason is they just don't have the difference makers in the attack. They have some decent players. Chris Rolfe can make some things happen. Chris Pontius, when he's healthy, can make some things happen. But I don't know. They they just don't have. That those wow factors in attack, and you need those to to really get far in the playoffs. Well, for New York, the definite MVP for them in this game, I mean, Dax McCarty. I was scores on the set piece was outstanding in the midfield. I mean, Dax McCarty is just he's just so much fun to watch. Ivis, he's just so good. He's a good player, man, and it, it, it's uh, it just makes it look so effortless sometimes. It, well, what's interesting is that you know when he first got there, when he when the Red Bulls first traded for him. Fans weren't happy about the trade that happened. You know, Dwayne De Rosario uh, went to D.C. He had an MVP season, even though for me I didn't think he should have won the MVP that year. Uh, it, I mean, he was amazing. He had an amazing year, but um, he was traded twice that year, which I thought was pretty interesting. Um, but it, but if you know, you look, at the time of that trade, Red Bulls fans were 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 disgusted because they thought, oh, if we kept De Rosario with Henri, we would have just killed people. Blah blah blah. Um, but you know what? You, as time went on, that Dax McCarty became a leader, became a captain, became a, a clutch player, an impact player. And you know, go find a Red Bull fan, a Red Bulls fan now who hates that trade. Every Red Bulls fan alive loves that trade now, and he's he's really he's really grown and matured into into uh, just uh, just such a good player. And he's not the only one, man. The Red Bulls are their midfield is. is playing some of the best they've played some of the best soccer in the league all year mm-hmm. and it looks like they're just going to keep rolling in the playoffs yeah i think new york man it's just their wonderful season continues for them we didn't have a chance to talk about the knockout round game where dc at home defeated the new england revolution and look for, for as much as new england was limping coming into this game you still had them as the favorites to defeat dc on the road i mean new england man, what a total meltdown at the end of the season for them they just weren't clicking. They just were not clicking at all. And I think I, I feel like I brought it up in the previous shows. I just didn't feel like Jones and Wynn were, were necessarily connecting well. I, I just don't think their midfield was, was, was just – it wasn't the well-old machine we saw last year at the end of the season, at the end of the year where 
it, they just really found a good rhythm and it wasn't there this time around and and you know credit dc dc played a good game in that in that uh opening round game uh but new england they, i don't know i don't know what they what they can do differently i mean i What's going to be interesting to see now is what happens with Jermaine Jones because I mean number one, uh, you know he, he so he I don't want to say assault but he grabs up the ref after 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 uh, our everyone's favorite ref Mark Geiger. Uh, I know when that happened I was like oh yeah it had to be him it had to be Mark Geiger he doesn't call the handball Jermaine Jones goes nuts and just grabs him up gets the red card. It was a second yellow. Uh, it was not a straight red. I thought it was a straight red, but it turned out it was a second yellow. Uh, and then he grabs. So he kind of like – he manhandles the ref a little bit. And it was not a good look. Don Garber's already come out and pretty much kind of you know hinted at the fact that he's probably going to get a suspension. And there is a precedent for that kind of thing. Jermaine Jones is looking at at least a six-game suspension if he comes back to MLS. And that's a big if because – uh, as it stands right now, you know, he's at a contract and he's already starting the the kind of subtle social media campaign to let people know <laughs> that he's probably not coming back. I don't know how much that's posturing or that's him just kind of, you know, I don't know, settling, you know, letting it be known he's not coming back. So for me, I don't know. I don't know where else he goes. I mean, if I would be surprised if New England isn't even offering the guy anything um, because he's still a very good player. Now, do you pay him what you paid him when you when you first got there? No, because you know what? No, he's not making that money anywhere else. He's not going to Europe at his age now and making anywhere close to that money the the, the money that they signed him for. That being said, he's still kind of a DP worthy player, so that's where they need to figure out if New England wants him. They need to figure out if they can come to an agreement on money because he has nowhere else to go. And I know there's talk about Club Tijuana. Uh, the only way he's going to Club Tijuana is if he's ready to take a pay cut. Now, Mexican teams do pay money. But they don't pay. They're not going to. Club Two One is not going to pay him what New England just finished paying him in terms of the, you know the, the the big money that he was on. It's not happening. So if you're Jermaine Jones, you have to ask yourself: Will I take a huge pay cut just so I can live in LA and then commute to to Tijuana or something to that effect? I don't know. You know, and there's you know Tijuana is in the middle of a coaching change as it is. Miguel Herrera is, is supposed to be taking over to the Cholos now and. Is that even really an option? I mean, does does Herrera, Miguel Herrera, like Jermaine Jones? I mean, that, so much there. I mean, for me, if I'm New England, I make him an offer. Uh, but I understand if they don't want to pay him what they were paying him before just because he's an older player now. Uh, do you really sign him to a three-year deal, you know, $5 million for three years or whatever? Whatever he thinks he – it's clear Jermaine Jones thinks he's worth, you know, however much he thinks he's worth. But I don't think he, he factors in that, hey, at your age – you're just not going to get the same money. You're just not because you have. There's nowhere else you're going to go and get that money. Yeah, but Ivis, you're missing the point. Jermaine Jones is a Champions League player. Come on. <laughs> not even a well. At this point, he's not even a Concacaf Champions League player. So. Ooh. <laughs> no. Why you got to kick him when he's down, Ivis? What's hey, your hey? I like hey. I like him as a player. I I, I, <laughs> I still think he brings something to the table. I think he still can can be a very uh, dominant force on the field, but. Money, you know, the money is a tough thing, you know, when it comes to, you know, it's funny because, you know, when you're in your prime, when you're in your 20s and your mid 20s and you come out and you're at a contract, you know, you're you're loving life because you can name your price. You can move around where you want to go. Teams are willing to pay you top dollar. But when you're in your when you're when you're 33 years old and at a contract, you just it's just it's not easy, man. And you're definitely not going to make the money you use, that you used to make. It doesn't matter who you are. It just doesn't happen. So. 
Uh, I don't know what he's going to do, man. I, I, I really, I really don't. And I wonder who in MLS would pay him the money. That's another thing to consider. Could there be a trade in the works? Who would be willing to pay Jermaine Jones what he's looking for? I don't know. Any, I don't know if anyone in MLS would, would do that. Maybe uh, Chicago. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I'm pretty sure that they'll, they'll be waiting for his phone call. <laughs> Open arms. <laughs> well, they have to. Find, they have to hire a coach first. So, but uh, yeah, no, I don't. I don't think Chicago's a. Staying in the Eastern Conference, Ivis Montreal Impact are peaking at the right time at home. They defeat the Columbus crew 2-1. to one. Columbus did get an away goal, which will be huge for them when the game returns back home for them. But for Montreal, Ivis at home took care of business, walking away 2-1 to one victories in this one. Uh, it's a good, it's a good win for them, no doubt. And uh, the 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 goal at the end was huge for them. They needed uh, to have a lead taking it to Columbus, but you know, to be fair, the crew had a lot of control in that game. They had plenty of the ball. They dominated possession, as you might expect. But you know, credit to to Montreal. They they took took chances that came their way. Uh, the Pat- the Patrice Bernier uh, goal was 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 timely because it came it came right after. It came like four minutes after. Uh, Iguain's opening goal, and then and Joanne Venegas pouncing on Michael Parkhurst, the player who you can normally count on, mm-hmm. a player who does not normally make huge mistakes like he made. But you know what? Venegas caught him in possession and took it down and finished it off. I know people were going nuts at the fact that he didn't pass it to Drogba, but hey, you know what? He's a co- professional professional attacking players are confident people by nature. So if he saw the opportunity to finish, then let then he let him finish, and that's what he did. He finished so. That that's a huge goal for them because if they go to Columbus tie one one, I, I I really don't give them that great a chance. As well as they're playing, I, I just like Columbus. I like Columbus better, and 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 you know Columbus is it's not going to be easy, but I still think Columbus is in, in pretty good shape. I think they showed in this game that uh, they can ha- control the game, they control the, the the flow of the play. They had they had plenty of the uh, the possession edge. Looking at the stats, it was fifty eight to forty two in the possession uh, category. And that wasn't a case of, oh, Montreal had the lead most of the game. It was the, the game was tied for most of the game. And, uh, you know, Montreal had more shots on goal, but it, it was, it was a pretty fair game. It was a back, it went back and forth. It was a good game. It was good soccer. And I got, and I, I'll say, you know, when, when you watch the, uh, the Red Bulls DC game was a pretty ugly game. It was a pretty ugly game. Uh, this game by comparison for me was a much more attractive game. There was good passing good from a tactical standpoint. It was a better game. Uh, but the crew, I like the crew, man. I think it wasn't their best game, uh, but I think they showed some things that they're going to be able to do, I think, in the second leg and going back to Columbus. I, I like the chances. Oh, come on, Ivers. You're telling me you're not feeling good about the Montreal Impact. They're peaking. Dude, Patrice Bernier is a goal-scoring machine. Come on, Ivers. You got to feel better about Montreal. Uh, my money's on the crew, man. I pay- and here's the thing. We didn't get to do our show. We get- didn't get to do our picks. Because uh, you got sick, or I forget. I don't know. I I, I don't remember what the excuse. I, I got your anniversary dates mixed up, which I apologize for. And happy anniversary, by the way. Thank you, thank you. That was last week, but uh, yeah, I, I did make my picks on uh, on SBI. We will never know what your picks were. I'm sure they were all wrong, but uh, but I picked I picked the crew in this series, and uh, and I still like I still like that pick, man. I think I think you know the Michael Parkhurst blunder, man. That that came out of nowhere because you know he's normally a reliable player. Um, but I just think the crew, I think their midfield doesn't be able to control the game. And Ethan Finley, credit to Montreal, they really did a good job on Ethan Finley. Uh, they, they really neutralized him. And I thought he, I thought he would be a player 
that that really would have an impact in his series. Uh, he, I think he can make his mark in the series, going you know, especially going up against uh, Donny Toya, the the impact left back. But credit to Montreal, they really did a good job of of, of keeping him out of out of it. But I think for the second doing that for two legs, I don't I don't I don't know if they're going to be able to do that. Uh, and I think Kai Kamara is quite a first leg as he had. I think he'll come back and do better in the second leg. I I, I just I, I like I like their chances, but I'm not saying the impact are a good team. They they've shown since they added Drogba, uh, they are one of the better teams in the league, no question about it. They could absolutely still win this series, but for me, I just I like the crew, man. I think I think I still like that pick, and I, I like their midfield to have a much better game in the second leg. I don't know, man. I'm feeling Montreal. Drogba doesn't get a goal, which means you know he's due for a goal at least in the next well, game. He should just count himself lucky he's going to play in the next game because there were some sh- questionable uh, actions by him late in that in that in this first leg. Uh, for those who missed it, he uh, he went in on a late challenge on Steve Clark, and then he ended up like tangled with him, and he grabbed him by the leg, like full, like grabbed his leg, like I, like if you haven't seen it, he pretty much bear hugged his leg on the ground. Um, got a yellow card for that, and I know there were people definitely uh, who felt you know, there were some people who were saying, "Oh, that should have been a straight red when he grabbed him by the leg," and then there were others who I think was had the more reasonable argument that he should have got a yellow for the challenge and then a yellow for grabbing the leg. I get that; that's fair. But you know what? It's whatever. It, it, as absurd as it was, I don't, straight red. I mean, I don't know. Players grab players all the time. They get a yellow. I don't think – is it because it's their leg, it's a straight red? Like is that dangerous play to grab someone by their – like ah, I don't know. I, I Personally, hey, I'm not a ref. I'll be the first to say it, but do I, I don't think grabbing a guy by the leg uh, when you're both on the ground, it's absurd. It's silly. It's definitely worth a card. But is it a red card? Eh, I don't think so. And you know what? Both teams could have had guys sent off because uh, Columbus Crew, uh, Gaston Saro – who he got? So he gets a yellow card. Him and Drago were going at it the whole game. He got his, his chin bloody. They had to change his jersey. They had a like a ridiculous kind of head wrap on him to keep him from bleeding in the first half. In the second half of this game, there's a foul on Pedro Morales. I'm not. I'm sorry, Pedro Morales. There, there, there's a foul on Ignacio Piatti, and uh, Saro like kind of flips out on him, and Saro is kind of yelling at him like you know. I guess he thought he was diving, whatever. It's like you have a yellow already. How are you going off on an opponent who's down on the ground? Uh, and credit to the referee Chris Penso, he had a talk with him. He said, "Listen, you already have a yellow. I could throw you out right now. Shut the hell up and calm down." And I give him a lot of credit. I thought Chris Penso managed the game well. I know people will get will get on him because Drogba didn't get thrown out of the smash, but whatever. I, I disagree. He managed the game well. He did his job. And look, compared to what some of these referees, MLS referees do, the jobs that, that we've seen some of these refs do, Chris Benson was outstanding. So, you know what? I, I rip refs all the time. I'm going to give him credit. I thought he did a good job this game. Well, Montreal got to the conference semifinals after defeating Toronto FC, which they did the week before in the final game of the MLS season. Montreal scored three goals against Toronto FC, who was, uh, they were pretty much lifeless in this match. Oh, it was ugly, man. It was, and you can't—you got to say it wasn't completely surprising. But here, here's what it comes down to, right? TFC's defense was never good all year. Sometimes they'd be passable. Sometimes they'd be okay. And you could take their at whenever when at their very best, it was an okay defense. You put the okay defense with Javinko and their attack, and they'd be okay. They'd win games. They'd beat. They'd beat a lot of teams. Um, but it was never going to be good enough for the playoffs. And then, and when you look at the summer. 
when you know they needed some defensive help. They go pick up Kantari, who you know for me, I mean, I didn't. He didn't impress me at all. Anytime I saw him, anytime I saw him, he was pretty f- mediocre. He was pretty. He was just not good, and he was terrible in the playoffs. Uh, they picked up Josh Williams, a guy who NYCFC cut. NYCFC probably the worst defense in the league, right? Or one of the worst defenses in the league. If they cut a defender, you're not going to pick him up, and he's not he's not going to solve your problems defensively. And I know that might be a little unfair Josh, on Josh Williams because I mean I have always thought he was a pretty good uh, defender, definitely uh, from a value standpoint. Uh, I thought he was a versatile kind of guy, a guy who I'd play at right back. Not you know me, oh, I'd play him at center back next to a very good center back. But playing him next to Kantari as your center backs, it's pretty rough. And I know Perkis was injured. I know that was huge for them. But I think they made their own bet in, uh, on this one a little bit because, and I brought I've brought this up a couple of times now. I think I brought it up on Twitter. I brought it up on uh, another show I was on recently. Uh, MLS draft 2015 MLS draft. TFC had a had three picks in the top eleven, right? Three picks in the top eleven. They select Alex Bono, the goalkeeper, who you know what? As a prospect, value wise for that pick, I had no problems with that pick. I thought that was pretty much from a value standpoint where he would go. Uh, and then they took their they took center backs with their next two picks, but they took guys who no one had rated in the first round. They had Clement Clement Simon, Simonin, <laughs> who nobody had rated as a first round talent. Nobody else was going to take in the first round as much as they want you to believe that they were that they were worried that someone else was taking him in the first round. Nobody was taking him in the first round. They took him, and then they took Skylar Thomas. Who, yes, I get it. He's Canadian. They want to grab a Canadian with some with some potential. Uh, you know, he, but so they take these two guys and pass on Tim Parker, who ends up going to the Vancouver Whitecaps. They pass on Axel Schober with the Colorado Rapids, two guys who, for my money, when you think about the, the, the center backs that came out this year, they've been clear cut. The best, the best two guys, best two defenders, um, that came out of this draft. And Tim Parker started for the Whitecaps in central defense in Portland on the same day on this, on Sunday. This just today, and they they pitched a shutout, and he did really well for them, and he's been good for them all year. He could end up being on the U.S. Olympic team, you, you, the U twenty three team. He he's the kid is he's legit, he's legit, and he was rated highly in the draft. I had him on my big board. He was one of the top defenders in in, in the draft. Toronto FC passes on both those guys. They take their two guys, and guess what? Those, neither of those guys were on the roster or on the bench for this game against Montreal. I know the Simonon guy has been injured, so. To be fair, that's that's that. Uh, the other guy, Scholar Thomas, did, did okay in U.S. He did well in USL. Credit there, so he still has a future. But neither of those guys were there when they needed them. And for me, I know some people will say, "Oh, it's hindsight. Uh, it's easy to point it out now." But no, I pointed it out then that they, I thought they, they were they made bad picks. And you know what? Draft picks matter. What you do with your draft picks matter. Getting talent that helps you and helps give you a deeper bench matters. And and, and I know there's always been this sense that folks in Toronto uh, and in Canada in general, but but especially Toronto, that there are some fans and some and some experts up there who've always questioned the draft and the value of the draft and does it really matter? Can you really get talent? And the answer is yes. The answer is yes. If you do, if you draft well, you will. It will help your team. That's like a it's common sense. And guess what? That I think the TFC wasted their picks and it came back to bite them.
No, I dude, I, look, I completely agree with you about the draft. I, was, I for some reason I don't know why it's popped in my head, but Tim Ream was Tim Ream was a second round pick by New York. Look how good he did for them. Now he's playing over in England. I mean, the, the draft does matter. Why that popped in my head, I don't know why, but the draft does matter. Yeah, I mean Matt Beasler, Sporty yes. Kansas City, Omar Gonzalez in L.A. So who who Toronto FC passed on? They took Sam Cronin, who 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 you know didn't last very long in Toronto. So I mean I don't know. Like I, it's it's it always it always irks me when people kind of dismiss the draft and say obviously the the draft is is um, you know there was a time when all the players on the national team had to come through the draft before the you know academy eighteen year old kids have been starting to be right signed. right well yeah with the in that, with the increased uh, increased importance the significance of the academies and the increased uh, influence of of players going abroad uh, it, the draft is is diminishing in 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 its position. That said, there is still talent coming through the ranks. I mean, look at—I mean, even just you look at rookies this year. Uh, you know, Sporting KC. I know they went out, but you know they had—they had a couple of rookies who were playing. You had Tim Parker playing. Uh, you had Fataya Lashi, uh, who was great for San Jose. You had uh, Kyle Lahren, who was yeah, yeah. You know, Kyle Lahren. I was like waiting Kyle for Lahren, you to list Kyle Lahren. Kyle Lahren, <laughs> seventeen goals. Uh, seventeen goals there. And uh, Christian rolled down tonight for Seattle. He came on late. I know he didn't play a ton toward the end, but we're talking about a young, talented prospect. Uh, so you, not that he was in the draft; he was actually a homegrown player. Oh no, he was in the draft. Actually, yeah, he fell. He fell in the draft. He's a guy who, you know, he could have. Uh, he went from oh, he might go second to New York to he ended up falling all the way to Seattle. They traded up to grab him. I think that's what one that ended up going down. Another player that Toronto passed on, by the way. Uh, but the draft matters, man. And and it's are there? there I would. I will. I will concede. That there aren't as many uh, aren't as many uh, like super impact types. Like, are we going to see another Kyle Aaron? Uh, might we're never going to see a uh, like a handful of guys like that. Maybe we'll see one or two. We could definitely see a couple next year if Abu Dunladi and Joshua Yarrow sign with MLS and come into the draft in 2016. These are two guys who are high level prospects who could absolutely be impact players on the mm-hmm. next level. Um, there's fewer of those, but I think there's I think there's just as many, if not more, uh, bench guys, roster guys, guys who can be useful, uh, filling out your roster and 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 giving you a solid eighteen, solid twenty three, uh, solid roster. And you need that because you know what the injuries happen. You have people. I mean, look at Se- look at Seattle. You know, for all the things that I mean, you can only sign so many foreign players. Seattle has Andy Rose. And a, a guy who who slipped in the draft because of his international status, and he's had himself a heck of a career, uh, just you know developing there and, and being kind of a role player there. And now they've been able to plug him in, and he's been big for them in a couple of important games. So that stuff matters. I mean, I, I just don't think anyone who thinks that you can just roll to a title without the draft playing some part, I, I think that's a little uh, far fetched. Well, in the final game of the weekend, Portland at home played Vancouver Whitecaps to a scoreless draw. And for Portland, you control the match. You hold Vancouver at bay. Vancouver had a couple shots on goal. majority of them were just harmless shots that went over the net. Portland, man, for as much possession they had, for as many options they had to score goals, I mean, dude, I was a huge failure for them not to get a goal at home against the Vancouver Whitecaps. I'm not going to call that result a failure at all, man. You can't. You know why? You need because a goal, they, man. You they, need no, a goal. Listen, man. listen, two things. Two things, first of all. Everything, context is everything. 
They had just played less than three days ago a, a marathon, 120 minutes plus the longest penalty shootout in the history of the league. 22 shots. We'll get we'll get to that crazy game in a minute. But the point is, they were dead. I mean, they should have been dead after that. To go from having to play Thursday night, late night, the last game. They played the last game on Thursday night, and the game went to the very end. And then they get the second game on Sunday. I mean, that was unbelievable. And and not only did they not look dead, but they actually came out and had life and showed signs of life. They did have life. Right. And they played well. And wouldn't it have been great if they got a goal? Of course. But look, credit to David Usted. He was he was great. He made some big saves. But for me, I just I think the the White Caps, this was their opportunity to to really pounce on a team that was supposed to be tired, a team that was supposed to be kind of dead on their feet. And and it didn't work out that way. I thought I thought Portland played well. And zero zero does help Portland because guess what? They if they score a goal in Vancouver, man, that changes everything because Vancouver did not get the away goal. Vancouver is not a juggernaut at home. Nope. As as it was pointed out uh, repeatedly on Sunday, they have the worst home record of the teams in the playoffs. Uh, not to say they're terrible at home, but they're home. They're nine six and two at home this year in a regular season. Six losses, so they're beatable at home. And if you're Portland, you don't even have to beat them. You can tie them 1-1. You can tie them 2-2. So for me, I think Portland, now that they'll have a week of rest, and now that they can get Diego Chara back, Diego Chara didn't even play in this game. And they still got a 0-0. I like, I like Portland, man. And, and for the record, Portland was my pick. And I don't know how you could pick against Portland after that penalty shootout because if there's anybody that looks like a team of destiny, it's them after the shootout. But uh, – I like I like what I see from them. Donaldson Nagby, he is playing with a ton of confidence. Uh, credit to Killer Porter, he's really put him in a position where he where he where he's really thriving now. So nothing against Vancouver, but the thing with Vancouver, they have not been the same team since Pedro Morales got hurt, uh, and, and you know they they just they're lacking they're lacking some creativity. They're they're lacking they're, they're, the attacking spark uh, hasn't hasn't really been there. And and I know they can ride their defense. Kendall Watson is a beast. Kendall Watson, I, I tweeted it. It's a no cross zone when he's you know just blocking everything out. And David Ustad is, is does his thing. But you know you need Pedro Morales in your starting lineup playing ninety minutes to have a chance. I know he made a cameo. I know he came on for thirteen minutes. And hopefully for them that that's a sign that he's ready to come back stronger. But without him in the starting lineup, they just don't have enough quality in their attack. Well, for Portland, one player definitely stood out. Uh, he had a little shaky moments, but overall, I have his Darlington Nagby, man. Dude, last month, what happened, man? We all knew he was a good player. But the last month, dude, someone flipped a switch. Dude, he's been literally on point the last four weeks. Well, I think Porter Porter moved him to to the middle uh, and gave him, gave him the freedom to kind of to kind of move around. Instead of having him isolated on a wing, he's had him in the middle, and he's let him kind of do his thing. And I mean, I, I'm not surprised by this. I, I, I mean, I said this when back when when he, you know, he got his American citizen, his U.S. citizenship. I wrote a piece. Uh, I wrote a piece for Gold.com breaking down why I think he's such, why he could be a a great fit for the U.S. national team. And I know, I know, shortly after that, he had a bit of a slump. And know that, and I know there were definitely people, some people dancing on his grave, and from a, from the standpoint of being a national team prospect. But the guy can play. The guy is such a technically gifted player. I mean, we're talking about 
technical quality and freakish athletic ability. That combination that makes you a special player because not only can he dribble, but he can just blow by people on the dribble. And and for me, it's what it, one of the prettiest sights in the league is watching Darlington Nagby dribble down the middle mm-hmm. and just just you know give the shoulder fakes and just blow by people and the confidence on the ball. He is playing with confidence now. He's he's having fun. And when he's playing like that, he's one of the absolute best players in the league, one of the absolute toughest players to defend. And I think and I and we saw it I, even though they didn't score any goals, we saw him uh do his thing in this first leg. I mean he, he was he was very active and I think I'll tell you what, second leg, I think he's gonna have a big game. Well, the question is, I mean, what can Vancouver do? You you have to take a, a little bit of positive in this match, knowing that look for, for as many chances Portland had, they did not score goals. So at least you have that going into the game at home. And I mean, what can Vancouver do here in the next match? It's tough, man. Like I said earlier, if if they, if Morales is not fit enough to start, um, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, you know, Mauro Rosales is a guy. Who, who has some good technical quality, but he he didn't start this game. So it, it, can one of those guys get into this starting lineup and give them some 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 spark in the attack? I mean, I know Christian Chichera has had some moments. Uh, he's had, he's had a pretty good year for them, but I don't know, man. Octavio Rivero needs somebody to set him up. He needs somebody to provide him service. And without a healthy Morales, and and I mean without a healthy yeah without a healthy Morales or at least a Rosales, he's going to struggle and. And and on top of that, you're playing – Portland's defense is pretty good. Portland's defense is, is not – you know, especially the last month of the season, they've been they've, – they've stepped it up to another level. Um, so it's tough, man. It's tough. It, it's a week till the second leg. If Pedro Morales is fit enough to start and actually play to his normal level, then Vancouver absolutely has a chance because they're at home. They can score goals. Their defense – we know their defense can be, can, can be a lockdown defense. But without him, I just don't think they're going to have that attacking spark that you need uh, to get a goal. And I, and I, for me, Portland's going to—I think Portland's going to get a goal. Yeah, I, I don't think there's any way. I mean, there's a way, but I think it's highly unlikely Portland gets shut out in the second leg. I just don't. I, I think they're due. I think Vancouver got got you know Ustad stepped. David Ostead stepped up with some huge saves. They had, and then you also had Rudy with a shot off the post. I don't know, man. I think I think Vancouver had their share of luck in that first leg. Second leg, I think Portland's going to just keep it rolling, especially with a week of rest. They're going to be rested. They're going to be confident. What The one question I would have, Lucas Milano, he's not looked apart. He's not looked apart at all. And uh, Dairon Espria, the, the son of, uh, of, of Faustino Espria, uh, I think he needs to start. I mean, the way he looked, I mean, he, in the last couple of games, he's looked dangerous. If I'm Caleb Porter, I'm thinking about starting Espria uh, as much as it's fun to bring him off the bench and just have him just cause problems to the defenses, I think he might think about starting Espria over Milano. You know, Milano went off the field against Kansas City. I don't know if I remember this, but he seemed to get a worn reception from the fans when he got subbed off. I don't know if you saw that. I may be making this up, but I feel I remember people clapping for him. And I was like, oh, really? I mean, he did okay. It's interesting. Milano? Yeah, I'm not saying he's been terrible. Like he does. He no, but I mean, he hasn't been. You know, he hasn't provided the impact that you thought he was going to. Right, right. And Espria, I think Espria has looked a little more dangerous. And and obviously coming in against tired legs, it, it, it works in your benefit when you're in that situation. But I don't know, man. He might have to or Ruti even. Ruti has been very active as well. Uh, uh, obviously, you're plugging him in for for Adi late in games, but. 
don't know, man. If you're California, maybe you stand pat. Maybe you like the way your team's played as a group and, and you don't want to mess with that. But I, I like what I've seen out of Espria coming off the bench. So that, that's something to think about. Well, in the midweek game, definitely the best game of the knockout rounds. Portland defeated Sporting Kansas City. And I got to say, Ivis, Kansas City, when they scored the equalizer, I thought they were going to go on and win. For Portland to come back, get a goal extremely late in the second overtime of stoppage time and then to outlast Sporting Kansas City and what wasn't the greatest penalty shootout. The game had everything. But for Portland, I mean, that was just a tremendous result for them against Sporting Kansas City. And also, I mean, what a fun game to watch, too. That was that game was absurd. It was unbelievable. Uh, and the thing, it was funny about it. It was, a, it was a pretty chippy game. It was a very physical game. There was a lot of physical play going on, a lot of back and forth, a lot of ch- like a lot of chippy stuff going on. Uh, you had what? Did you, you had so many. You had Nat, you had Nat Borchers giving the the forearm shiver uh, to Dom Dwyer. You had Fernando Adi with the you know UFC style elbow to the face of Matt Beasler, left him bloodied, uh, bloodied up his whole face. Uh, you had uh, who's, uh, who's the, the the Kansas City forward? Namath, Namath uh, kicking a, uh, a ball at a downed opponent. Uh, you know, I forget who it was on Portland that he, he kicked the ball at when he was down. There was all kind of, kind of chippy stuff, right? It, it, the game could have definitely got out of control. Uh, but credit to Portland, man. They battled back. Uh, I agree with you. When Namath scores that goal, you're like, okay, they're done. Yeah, I was like, dude, Portland, Portland like, it was a vacuum. All the life got sucked out. See how I mean, Portland just looked like they just stopped. I was like, I thought Kansas City was going to all win. Yeah, I, I thought hey. overtime, and then when they get that goal, oh my gosh, I was, Wait, I was like, hey, hey. hey, who set that goal up? Dyrone Espria, Dyrone Espria with the cross. Yeah, so a Rudy for the finish. So I don't know, man. I'm put. Hey, I'm sure Caleb Porter will make the right decision because you know he's the guy. But Espria, man, I, I, if I'm Porter, I'm looking at what he's done in these two games, and I'm saying to myself, uh, I might take a flyer on him because he's 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 been a real dynamic looking guy in these games. Hopefully for Portland, man. The, you get a goal against Vancouver. Hopefully that opens up that floodgate over the last couple of weeks. I mean, dude, Portland just seems like they're ready to burst into you know three, four goals. I mean, you never know. I guess anything could happen. Uh, next round, I'm sorry, next round, but next leg for the games for MLS playoff games will be next week, a week from now on Sunday. So Ivis and I uh, will obviously have a show later this week to preview those games and let you know how my picks well, are the correct pre- ones and Ivis well, well, are the incorrect well, ones. Well, hopefully we do that, but obviously it hasn't been working out that way lately. So we'll, we'll just, uh, I, I, I'll, I'll, well, I'll, I messed up the schedule I'll make last some week. picks now just because I, I'm never, we never know if we're going to do it in the second show in a week. Uh, I'll tell you right now, Red, I got, I got, I'm sticking to all my picks. I still like all my picks. I picked the Red Bulls. I picked the Crew. I picked the Timbers. I picked the Sounders. And I'm sticking with all four of those picks. Montreal is looking good. Montreal could definitely knock off the Crew. So that of my four picks, that's the one that's on the shakiest ground for me. But I'm still going to stick with, with the Crew in that one. You know, if I was – I didn't make picks. But if I was going to make picks, I definitely would have went with New York. I definitely would have went with Columbus, Vancouver, and FC Dallas. Nice. Those are my picks. Mm-hmm. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. And I was earlier today, Eddie Johnson made it official, announcing his retirement. This is coming off of what we learned earlier this year, a heart condition for him. And uh, look, after 14 seasons, Eddie Johnson is finally retired, Ivis. It's crazy that it's been 14 seasons. Really? Was it that long already? Yeah, man. Man, where'd the time go? I, I, I remember when he was... Uh... 
He was a rookie. Crazy, man. No, but it, it's obviously sad to see a player's career cut short because you definitely feel like if not for the heart condition, he had, he had several more years to, to go. And uh, it kind of just shows you, you know, you uh, the, uh, when you're an athlete, when you're a pro athlete, you know, you're not promised the next season. And uh, I'm sure most people figured, you know, it was only what the 20 was it the 2013 Gold Cup when he was uh, scoring goals for the U.S. Mm-hmm. And, and playing well. And, and also in World Cup qualifying, he was scoring goals for the U.S. And uh, here we are two years later, and he's retiring, and it's crazy. It's crazy to think about. And I know, let's face it, uh, he is he the most beloved player in the history of American soccer? Not necessarily. He had his ups and downs. I mean, you definitely loved him when he was on his game. He could also be a frustrating player to follow when he wasn't on his game. Um, but you know what? He, he had a damn good career. I wouldn't say yeah. that. I'd say for a guy who, you know, a kid who was young, uh, you know, turned pro at a very young age. You always wonder how that's going to go for him. He had a pretty good career. You know, he did well in MLS. He did well for the national team. He went to Europe. Uh, he, he made a, he made a move over to Europe. He spent time in, uh, he was at Fulham, obviously, for quite a while. Um, so he had a pretty good career. I think he walks, he has to walk away. I'm sure he, you know, obviously, he's, I'm sure he's devastated not being able to play. But when he sits down and looks back at it and thinks to himself, Think, look at this career that, you know, this kid from small town bundle in, in Florida uh, goes on and have the kind of career he had and, tra- and, and, and travel the world and play in Europe and all that. I mean, he, he has not, he, has, he, he can be proud of the career that he's had. And uh, I, I mean, I, I'll, I'll say it, man, I, when he was on his game, he was fun to watch. Mm-hmm. I mean, I care, his, t- his time with the Sounders, he was outstanding. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he, at, when he was on his game and at his best for the U.S., he was excellent. So uh, it's sad. It's not, I'd say I, I'll agree with you that uh, you know what? It's disappointing to see him go. Yeah, it definitely is. I mean, you, you think all the way back when he was on FC Dallas. I mean, Kansas City Wizards. I mean, yeah, dude, dude. When Eddie Johnson was hundred percent on. I mean, you're talking health, mentality, monster man. Very tough to defend for players. Very tough. Yes, Very sir. tough. Yeah. Um, all right, Ivis. This is pretty big news that's coming out. Fabio Capello is in talks to be the next manager of New York City FC. Dude, that is big time, Ivis. That's one to turn heads. It's not one thing for a player to come over, but for a manager who's managed at the top level. I mean, dude, this is a pretty big deal if this actually comes to fruition. Okay, first of all, we don't know how true this is. You know how these reports are. You never know where they come from. Where'd that even come from? No, I'm just kidding. Uh, yeah, it was my report. I did report it. Um, uh, I'll be the first to say, is it mean he's going to get the job or, or is it mean they're, they're definitely pushing, pushing Jason Christ out? I do not have that information, but my, from what my sources have told me, they have, they have spoken or, and or are speaking to Fabio Capello. I have been told that he wants to come to, to America. He wants to coach in MLS. And I, and I agree. I think it is interesting to see uh, a high, high level, mm-hmm. high profile coach like that come to MLS. Now, my thing is this, uh, you know, the track record of foreign coaches is not the best in MLS. It isn't. Uh, and, and when I say that, it's not just any foreign, no foreign coaches that have ever, ever done well. That's not true. But mostly the guys who have done well that are foreign coaches are guys who have had some experience in American soccer, whether they were an assistant in MLS, whether they, you know, coached a, in a different league in America. I mean, Thomas Rongen, uh, you know, did well, um, the one kind of exception to that was Gary Smith with Colorado, even though he was an assistant coach before he took the head job and he took Colorado to a, to an MLS Cup title. Uh, but for the most part, we've seen so many foreign coaches struggle. And 
the thing is, and it's not to say like, oh, MLS is some uh, thing that's just impossible for foreign coaches to, to succeed in, but I believe a foreign coach can succeed. A foreign coach with no ties to American soccer can succeed, but they have to have a really strong support system. They have to have a, a kick-ass front office, a general man, a top-notch general manager who knows the league inside and out. Mm-hmm. And under those circumstances, could it happen? Possibly. And even then, you could struggle. I mean, look at uh, when you want to talk about the Houston Dynamo and Owen Coyle, his first season has been okay. It was all right. It wasn't, was it great? No, but he's a guy who most people would have said, hey, Owen Coyle coming to MLS, he should do well. And he didn't necessarily do well in his first year. So is Capello, if Capello is hired, if hypothetically, if NYCFC hires Capello, is he going to do well? Uh, I don't know, man. It's I don't know. I don't think it's a gimme. I don't think it's a gimme because I don't know if we have a good sense yet of the front office at NYCFC, if they know what they're doing, if Claudia arena is definitely going to be able to build a winning team. I mean, year one is not, not a good, uh, a sign so far. So I don't know, man. I don't think, I think it's great that Capello's interested, but mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know where he would fit in. I, I maybe, you know, yeah, I don't know. I mean, he'd need to go to, for me. Okay. If you put Fabio and Capello in Seattle, let's say hypothetically, let's say Siggy Schmidt, let's say Seattle wins, right? MLS cup. And you're Siggy Schmidt. You've won your third MLS Cup with your third different team, and you say, you know what, I'm I'm good. I'm gonna retire now. I'm gonna go enjoy life. Uh, I'm not, you know, uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna enjoy retired life and do like a Sir Alex Ferguson type uh, tour of, of 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 America and just chill out, right? Um, Fabio Capello in Seattle, that'd be great because guess what? They have talent. They're willing to spend. They have a Top top notch general manager in Garth Lagerway, who knows the league inside and out. In though in that setting, an international coach I think will, could definitely thrive, could definitely succeed. Now, having said that, you put Fabio Capello uh, with an unproven front office, that could be a recipe for disaster. Is it going to be Rude Hulet bad? <laughs> Maybe not that bad, but I don't think I, I don't think you'd be setting him up to succeed without a strong support system. Well, look, one thing for sure, it will at least turn heads, Ivis. Especially on the international, to have a coach of that magnitude come over, you know what? That, I don't know. Go, oh, okay, I think teams need to worry about building something that 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 can you know last last uh, pass the test of time. I, I don't think I don't think signing coaches for 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 shock value or for Q rating. I mean, I, I don't know, man. I mean, I, I would say this like it, hypothetically, if if Capello coached NYCFC, I'm sure you have the respect of all the players right away, especially mm-hmm. the. The superstars, I mean, Lampard already played for him with England, and I know they had their ups and downs in terms of their relationship, but uh, Lampard's played for him. Pirlo obviously knows him, uh, although he never played for him. It's crazy as it sounds because Capello coached AC Milan on two different occasions, but that was a long time ago. That was even pre-Pirlo, but Pirlo obviously knows Capello. You know David Villa knows Capello. So I think he would command respect from day one. Um, So who knows? Maybe he would do well, but... It ta- it's going to take more than a coach to turn that around because I can say I'll say that without equivocation. A- NYCFC's issues were not about Jason Christ not being a good enough coach this year, and I think most people see that. Mm. It was about their roster not being good enough. It was it was about the defenders that they signed not being good enough, uh, and it was about Frank Lampard showing up at midseason not being fit and then getting hurt repeatedly and then not playing that much. That didn't help them either because if they had Frank Lampard from day one. They would have been a lot closer to that playoff pack. Uh, all right, Evans. Wyatt, Chicago Fire. 
have interviewed Mike Pecky. I know we talked about it. Didn't take long a year for him now to find another job. Uh, is this a good fit for him in Chicago, Ivis? Well, if he, he gets the job. If he gets the job. If he gets it. Settle down. <laughs> I know. I'm well, excited. But if he gets the job, is this, okay. would this be a good fit for him? He's reportedly interviewed for the job. We don't know if he's interviewed. He hasn't confirmed it. I think it's a safe bet. I think everyone expected him to get interviewed for the job. Uh, would it be a good fit? I think I think so. I think it'd be a good fit. But, you know, it, I like Nelson Nelson Rodriguez as a, G, as a GM there. I think he's going to do a pretty good job. I think him and Pecky as a, as a tandem could work well together. Do I think he's going to get the job? I don't know if I'd call him the favorite right now. I mean, I, I think it's – I think – I'd say I think the Fire are going to do a pretty thorough job in their coaching search, and I think they have time. I think they know that – you know what? They they could they probably could take another another month to six weeks. I mean, I don't think they have to have a coach in place until ideally maybe mid-December, mid to late December, and, you, you know, you get a coach in, give them like a week or so before the combine – Give them a couple of weeks before the combine, maybe. But I think they have at least a month to hire. I think they're going to look around. I think they're going to be pretty thorough. But I don't think you could go wrong with Pecky. I think uh, I, you know, I think he's someone who's earned a earned a chance to to, to run a team again. Um, but it's great to know that he's in that mix in that conversation. Uh, and and I'll tell you what, it, 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 for me, uh, and we'll, we'll get on this touch on this in a second. But I mean, Pecky might not be the only coach available that has a pretty good resume. I think. Jason Christ is a guy who might be looking for work. Uh, so yeah, I, I know. Also, I mean, we talked about that two weeks ago, but dude, that continues to be uh, a major thing. Well, we'll get into that, but it, it's possible. So I think I think it, the the question isn't so much are those coaches good fits. The question are uh, how, like how convinced are those guys going to be that that's a job that they're going to want? And I think Nelson Rodriguez being the guy there now, being the GM there now. I think it makes it a much more attractive attractive proposition than it would have ever been before because I think uh, you know I just don't think the people that they've had running that team uh, since Andrew Hammond's been the owner uh, in the last few years has have been all that impressive and Hauptman has has a reputation of not being the best owner so how do you how do you kind of affect that reputation you hire a guy like Nelson Rodriguez and I and, I, and I've said it before I say it again I give Hauptman credit. That was a very, very, very intelligent hire. And for that reason, I think they're going to get some better candidates this time around for that coaching job. So we'll see who gets it. And one team that definitely needed to hit the reset button this offseason is the Philadelphia Union, who have now gone out and brought in Ernie Stewart, who will be their first sporting director. He essentially has been given the keys to the franchise that is the Philadelphia Union. I guess you got to say, I mean, this is a very positive move for the Union and a step in the right direction. I agree, man. I think it's a very positive step. And I know, look, Ernie Stewart, it's not like he's been working in MLS uh, all these years. He's been over in Europe. But I think he's someone who, let, let's face it, he had a very impressive uh, national team career. He he came and played in MLS uh, before he retired. He obviously has connections uh, here on this side of the pond, and he has connections on the other side of the pond as well. So I think he's a guy who, on, uh, along with having connections, I think he's a smart soccer mind and i think he's someone who who will be able to pick things up pretty quickly and uh i think he's going to do well i think he's someone who who knows what it means to have to run a team kind of on a budget and and you know when he was working over in the netherlands it's not like he was running uh ajax or or psv and 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 one of the you know big spending powers 
So I think he has some familiarity with 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 operating on a budget and and working on on that standpoint and working with player with youth development and that sort of thing. So I think he's a perfect fit, man. I think he's a perfect fit, and I think it's great to hear that Jim Curtin is going to stick around. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jim Curtin's going to keep his job, and uh, I know some people have their doubts, and and some people will look at the at the results and say. Uh, you know, why keep him around? I think he's a good young coach, and I think he's a coach who, you know, given the right amount of support in terms of a front office that that knows what they're doing, uh, I think he could do really well. And uh, you know, they, it, it, that's what I don't think people realize is, you know, the Philly over the last couple of years has, has been dealing with a lot of uh, a, a bit of a mess there in terms of the the managing of the salary cap and a lot of dead weight. Uh, some really bad contracts, and I think now if you have a guy who, who's a bit of a sharp, sharper soccer mind, a bit of a s- sharper kind of presence there, I think I think they'll do well. Well, f- for any Stewart though, I mean, for the sex su- for the success, excuse me, that he had in Europe, I mean, you wonder, I mean, were there no any better options for him to stay in Europe? Was he ever going to kind of slowly move up and maybe eventually latch on to a bigger team? Well, the sense I get is that he wanted to live here. I think he wanted to live in the U.S. and and. Uh, Philly presented itself as a good opportunity for him to come back, and that's the thing. I, I don't think people, I think people do kind of forget, lose sight of the fact that hey, living in living in the U.S. is great, you know. And, and a lot of people want to come back and settle here and, and have their families settle here and uh, and have that experience. And and, I, and another thing, I think it's not just about living in America. I think it's also the league itself is growing. The league is is, is increasing its profile and becoming becoming a more attractive. Uh, option. I think people who maybe in the past wouldn't have considered MLS. I think five years ago, I think five years ago, Fabio Capello isn't even isn't thinking about coming to MLS. I don't think Ernie Stewart five years ago would be coming to MLS. So I think from that standpoint, it shows the growth of the league that it's becoming a more attractive option for people who have clear cut options overseas. Well, in a week, Ivis, the Major League Soccer playoffs will be joined by the NASL playoffs, which the matchups have now been set. It's the top four teams in the combined standings between the spring and fall seasons. On one hand, you have the you have the Cosmos taking on the Fort Lauderdale Strikers, and in the other match, you have the Ottawa Fury taking on Minnesota United. And uh, Ivis, I mean, are the Cosmos the team to beat? I'd say I'd say so, man. I think it's shaping up to be that way. I know I know Ottawa. Uh, were the fall champions uh fury fc i know they were the fall champions but i think the cosmos kind of coasted they knew uh you know they obviously won the spring title um and then they, they turned it on here toward the end to grab the top seed in the playoffs and it's uh raul and marco senna their careers are coming to a close their it's their last go around their chance to to, to lift some uh lift, lift some silverware piece of silverware on their way out the door and uh, so it's kind of written the, the storybook ending is there not to say that that these other teams can't knock them off. I mean, I think uh, the Strikers are, are definitely a dangerous team, and uh, I think Ottawa has been excellent in the fall. And you can never write off Minnesota. I think with Christian Ramirez, I think they're an excellent team. But I, you got to go with the Cosmos, man. They're they're going to have the home field advantage. They're um, and then they have that <clears throat> knowing that Raúl and Senna are leaving. I, th- I think that's going to spur them on. I think I think it is. Well, for the Cosmos, I mean, you're right. They definitely did turn it on at the end of the season. When you look at their uh, last win of the season, knocking off the Tampa Bay Rowdies, who a victory for them. They're in the playoffs, which, look, they pretty impressive run for them to kind of come where they were to have that opportunity to get into the playoffs. So for New York, I mean, that's a huge win over Tampa Bay in the final game of the season. 
No, no, for sure. I mean, they were able to lock up the top seed. They were late. They were able to keep Tampa Bay out of the playoffs. And, and I mean, the Rowdies, they, they, they put some results together, but uh, they definitely, I think they, they have to look back on some of these draws. I mean, they had a run of draws that, that I think came back to bite them. I, mean, I think they let some, they left some points on the table. Um, but they did, they did push it towards the end and credit, credit the strikers. The strikers still had to go beat um, Jacksonville. Uh, on Sunday in the last game to, 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 you know, push it over the line. I would say that if, you know, I know I'm sure NASL doesn't like to take too many cues from MLS, but I I think one of the things MLS did well this year was kind of follow that model, like the rest of the world, uh, having everyone play on the same day. And I think it was, it was at least, it was a little weird. uh, The the fact that, you know, the, the, the strikers played the day later, uh, than the mutiny, uh, I mean the, the mutiny, <laughs> the rowdies uh, on, on this last day. On this last day, I mean, they, I think they should have played on the last day. Um, I think that would have made for a more dramatic uh, kind of final day of the regular season. I mean, who knows? Maybe they'll adopt that down the road. But um, what, one thing I do have to point out, <laughs> which is pretty crazy, uh, and I, I noticed this on Twitter. One of the pictures fr- from that Strikers game on Sunday uh, showed Thomas Rongen. Former, former Tampa Bay Rowdies coach Thomas Rongen, standing with the supporters of the Strikers, and uh, he tweeted it out. He tweeted out a picture of him with the Strikers supporters, uh, you know, saying he was a Strikers fan now or something like that. And I gotta say that that is so. I don't even know what to call that. Like on one hand, I get it, right. You're gonna like he has every right to feel uh, like he was done wrong. He has every right to feel like their owner, uh, the Rowdies owner, did him dirty, uh, ran him out maybe earlier than he should have. Uh, but at the same time, it's like that's a little bit of a slap in the face to the fans that that supported you for for the time you were the coach of the Rowdies. That 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 one's gonna leave a mark. That one's gonna leave a mark because uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know if he ever would have wanted to go back to. To coach the Rowdies, but I, I, yeah, that that one was a little, uh, you know. Although to be fair, I believe Rongen played. I got to do my homework now on the history part of things, but I think Rongen played for the Strikers. So that might that that, that could be his. Uh, uh, you know, we we got to look it up now. The Thomas Rongen played for the Strikers. If he did, then 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 that's his. Uh, then he's allowed. Then he's allowed it. And he did. Okay. You know what? No, wait. Did he? Yeah. There you go. He played for the Strikers. He's allowed to root for the Strikers. But it's still, it was still a little. I, I, I can see Rowdy's fans being a little, uh, little, little butthurt, little salty at the sight of their former coach rooting for the Strikers. Oh, he's just hanging out watching a game. Come on. Oh, I know. I know. I mean, I, I know he, he lived there a long time and he's from the area. Uh, he coached them before. He coached them way back when. I mean, he coached them from. He, he coached them from. Uh, he was an assistant there, and he coached them from '89 to '94. Man, that is so long ago. I think he was, it looks like he was. He was a player coach at that time too. Not many yeah. of those. Yeah, yeah. So uh, you know, I, I don't know. I, it, it's fine. Like I, it, it was okay. <laughs> I'm not gonna. Hey, who doesn't love Thomas Rangan? He's a great guy. But uh, I'm sure some Rowdies fans are gonna see that and say, "Ooh." That's so rough. <laughs> yeah. All right, Evans. Well, on the U.S. men's national team front, especially the Americans abroad, this definitely comes as no surprise that Aaron Johansson is now out for the year after hip surgery earlier in October. There was a non-contact injury, 
And uh, and for Johansson, look, he, he he played six games, had two goals this year. I mean, pretty good start for him. But I mean, tough to see that he's going to be out for a year now officially. Right. No, I mean it's unfortunate. And uh, you know, he, obviously, if you, from the U.S. national team standpoint, you you would like to have had a chance to get a look at him in the November friendlies. But now he's out. Uh, and like you said, I mean, he had shown really pr- real promise uh, with Werder Bremen. Now he's got to sit out, and now you have to wonder kind of where, where he's going to be in the pecking order of things with Bremen when he gets back. And it's tough. It's a tough blow. It's a tough blow. And, and I thought it was interesting that Bremen apparently there were some comments made that you know maybe they felt that that he you know he was injured when they signed him, and and then maybe they didn't they thought he'd be okay or they thought he'd get over it, but apparently he wasn't able to get over it. But uh, it, it's. It's interesting that it makes you wonder how long he had this for and, and how that might have affected him when he got injured. I mean, he's, you know, you want to see him get back in January or get back at the new year and get back at it. I mean, he's definitely, I mean, he's still kind of young. He's still relatively young and he's, he's had a handful of injuries here and there. So you, you, you want to see him get healthy and hopefully, uh, uh, become a little more durable. Well, also sticking on the injury front, Jeff Cameron uh, has picked up a little bit of an injury, kept him out of Stoke City's thrilling penalty win over Chelsea in the League Cup. Uh, Ivis, is this cause for concern for Jeff Cameron? Oh well, at this point, we don't know how long that how long he's going to be out for with the injury. I mean, it sounded like it was an, a thigh strain. Um, you know, if he misses a couple of games for Stoke, it's fine. I mean, I think I mean he's he's not no, going to no lose worry starting. for his starting eleven spot. No, I think he's done. I think he's been excellent for them. Uh, and you know, Mark Hughes even said. I mean, he even said it uh, the match that he got hurt in that they definitely missed Cameron's presence there. I think he's really established himself as as a as a kind of lead center back for them. So he'll be fine. I think the big question is, will he be back in time for the qualifiers in in, in November? Uh, they're only a couple of weeks away now. So is he going to be back in time for those? Um, do they need it? Do they need Jeff Cameron in order to win those? I wouldn't go that far, but if you think he's your top center back or one of your top center backs, you want to kind of get that group together. So, you know, I, and I think he has shown that. I think for my money, he's the best center back the U.S. has right now. So the sooner he gets back healthy, the better. And I was down in Mexico, Miguel Ibarra, which I feel like we haven't talked about him in a very long time, ever since he was like the hottest thing in the world. But, dude, he, he scored a very nice goal for Club Leon, man. I mean, dude, Ibarra making noise. Very nice to see, Ivis. No, yeah, I mean, you, you, it's great to, to see a guy who, you know, makes the jump from NASL and you kind of wonder, oh, you know, is is he good enough to play in Liga MX? Liga, and, and he is. He's good. He's shown he's good and he's good enough and he can make a difference. And, you know, he's 20, he's 25 years old. So he's, a, he's at a good age that, you know, if he continues to develop, he'll be back in the national team picture. And I know there was there was this sense that. You know, is this a you know? It, it was a bit. It, it felt like it was a bit of a gimmick. I know some people thought that there was definitely the sense that Klinsman, it was Klinsman's way of thumbing his nose, his nose at MLS to bring in this NASL player, uh, and then you know. But they, hey, credit to Ibarra. He go, he makes the he makes the transfer to Club Leon, and he's he's settled in and he's he's starting to make an impact. So it's good to see. Yeah, first goal in the season for him. If you haven't seen it, check it out, man. It was a nice goal for him. And very tough angle, cross the face of goal, curling shot. And very, very nice goal for him. And on the U.S. women's national team front, Abby Wambach has announced her retirement from international soccer. It's not effective right now as the U.S. women have a few more friendlies coming up to close out this year. 
but Ivis, Abby Wambach, one of the greatest players you could say for the U.S. Women's National Team, announcing her retirement. There's a new generation of players coming up, so I think the women's team will be safe for some time being. But, I mean, Abby Wambach carried this team for a very long time, finally got that World Cup, and uh, look, I mean, she's a quality player for the U.S. Women's National Team, and sad to see her finally hang up the cleats. She's not just a quality player. She's one of the all-time greatest. Oh, yeah, as I said, so, so, so one of the greatest players. Nice said quality player. One of the, if if not the greatest, one of the top three, and Mia Hamm even in the fair her kind of farewell to Abby uh, Abby Wambach called her called her the greatest, and uh, you got to give her credit, man. She came up in some really big moments. Uh, well, who who anyone who who's gonna forget that goal against Brazil, mm-hmm. that last second goal? I mean, wow, that that I mean, she. She she did it through her whole career, man. She she was she was big, and and they're gonna miss her. They're definitely gonna miss her. I don't think, uh, I don't know of anyone who's coming in the pipeline who's gonna be anywhere close to that. I think it's gonna be a while. I mean, there's some good forwards now. Obviously, Alex Morgan. You you like to think that if she stays healthy, she's gonna uh, break all sorts of records. But I mean, other than that, I don't know anyone who's gonna come close to what Abby Wambach was able to do. And there's certainly nobody in the pipeline right now who, who, who is was that kind of physical, imposing presence uh, as a as a big striker like Abby Wambach. I don't know if if we'll ever see someone like that again. So no, man, it's it's uh you know it's kind of turning of the page for this national team, and we've seen it before. We've seen we saw it obviously with the Mia Hamm and uh, and, and that group, the Julie Foudy and Christine Lilly, and that that generation, and now we've, we're getting this next generation. That's starting to pass the torch, and uh, we'll see who, who comes along to kind of pick up the pick up the torch. Well, speaking of the next generation, Alex Morgan, one of those players, dude, a blockbuster trade went down. We didn't talk about this, but uh, Orlando Pride is the new NWSL team. It'll be the tenth team in the league coming up next season. They're owned by, take a guess, Orlando City. Uh, and dude, they're already making moves. They traded for Alex Morgan. Dude, that is a blockbuster trade, Ivis. I mean, Orlando City not only hungry in MLS. Hungry in NWSL. I mean, dude, they just want to win. It's, that's great to see a franchise on both fronts being that committed. But bringing in Alex Morgan, I mean, dude, that is a impressive move for them. Well, uh, you know, by all accounts, it seems like they really paid paid an arm and a leg to make it happen. Uh, I definitely saw some some commentary out there that, that kind of on some fronts maybe ripped the trade that maybe they they overpaid for for Alex Morgan. But I mean, I don't know how you. I don't know how you put a price on a player who is not only a, a dominating force on the field, but yeah. a huge marketing uh, bonanza off the field. I mean, she's someone who who really can be the face of the franchise, and I, and I don't know how you put a price on that. Uh, I do think I, what came to mind when I first saw the, the report of the trade that it was, it was a possibility is that, uh, okay, so does this mean that Servando Carrasco has a no-trade clause now and a guaranteed <laughs> contract with, with Orlando City? Because, I mean, for those who aren't aware – that's her. That's her. Are they married now? I don't yes, know. They are, dude, yeah, dude, okay. he, dude. He is safe on Orlando for. But this is what I'm saying. So like, who cares? Who cares? That's interesting, though, because, I mean, the guy's been around. He's been traded. I mean, he's been, where's he been? Seattle, Houston, Orla- uh, Kansas City, Orlando. He's been around. He's been around. So, uh, you know, if you're if you're if you're Alex Morgan and, you're, and this trade is being worked out, do you say, hey, listen, I'll go to Orlando. But you can't trade my husband. You bet. Like he has to stay on the team. He has. You can't cut him. I. I wonder about that stuff. And I don't know if Orlando City would ever actually let it be known if that were the case or not. But it's. it's, hey, it's hey, a, Orlando City at least has a B squad. Ivis and USL Pro. So there you go. 
Did, yeah, there Worst case is you have to put him there. He's still in Orlando. Yeah, that's <laughs> – that no, he's not – you know what? He's a player, man. He, he's gotten minutes for them, so – yeah, no, but hey, it's 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 great. A first year, when you look at the way that Orlando City packed them in in year one as a as an uh, an MLS team, you got to think they're also going to be able to draw, especially now that they have Alex Morgan. Mm-hmm. I mean, come on, her her dribbling the ball in an empty stadium would probably still draw, you know, ten thousand. So I, I think I just want to point this out. He was traded to Orlando, I think in. I think in July, June or July. Was, Do you think Orlando's been was, working on this deal since then? Makes you wonder. No, I, well, I mean, that was the Amobi Akuga trade, for those who don't yeah. remember. Oh, that's um, right, that's right. But, uh, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know if that's why they got Carrasco at the time, but I'm sure. You never know. I have to find I'll, – I'll do a little digging on that. I'll see what I can find out. Yeah. Get, get some hot gossip, Ivis. That, that could be TMZ front news. I don't know. Who cares? <laughs> you know what? At the end of the day, if that's the case, then it's good. For, look, good for them, man. Whatever, whatever makes a deal happen, right? I mean, if you, if they want to do that, if they, I mean, they, that you own both teams, you can, you can leverage it, right? What, like, there's what's, what's wrong with leveraging that? I mean, course, I'm sure, I'm sure. Well, I mean, I'm sure some Orlando City fans might say, "Hey, wait a minute, why are we giving up a roster spot so our so the women's team could do something?" Like, you know what? It's all part of the same. It's all under the same umbrella. So. Very true. Very true, Ivis. This is all speculation, by the way. We don't know for a fact <laughs> that uh, <laughs> that Car- Serrano Carrasco all of a sudden has a uh, guaranteed contract. But uh, <laughs> do, do some digging, Ivis. I don't know. Do some do some sleuthing for us. Hey, you know what? We they be, hey the NWSL better be careful that there's not a salary cap circumvention going on because hey, you know what? All of a sudden we'll see Serrano Carrasco making you know 400k or whatever. And, uh, like, hey, wait, what's that? <laughs> I'm just kidding. Totally kidding. But, uh, yeah, no. <laughs> interesting. <laughs> uh, Orlando City, man. Or, or go the other way. Go the other, you know, like put Carrasco on league minimum and then, uh, you know, bump up Alice Marcel. That's, <laughs> that's, that's a totally, you can circumvent the cap that you way. Do that. Dude, look, I gotta say though, if you're, if you're an Orlando fan, you're, you're just loving life the last couple of years. I know you didn't make the playoffs this year, but, Dude, their ownership group, dude, they're they're like the example of how ownership groups need to be. They've done a pretty good job, but we'll see, man. Year one is always of the course, honeymoon, of course. But yeah. as of right now, they've done well, a very hey, good job. We'll see when the state will they, when they open the stadium. We'll see what they do in year two in terms of building the roster. If they really are going to go get, uh, you know, another designated player or two, we'll see. We'll see. But you know what? The future is bright in Orlando, man. Definitely. Definitely, I was. Sorry, I, man. I, I, I might have to move down there and, and give my boy uh, Paul Tenorio some competition because he, you know, he clearly doesn't have any. He's running away with it. Yeah, he's but, like the he's like the Bayern Munich of uh, of the uh, Orlando soccer beat down there. Yeah, but you live in Orlando, though. I don't know if I'd ever want to live in Orlando. Oh, just killing Orlando. Oh well, no, I'm being serious. Like Orlando's, Orlando's like not a, like on like a top ten list of places I want to move to. It's 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 a surprisingly chill city. I, I would say that. I feel uh, like Orlando's like Cleveland, you know. No way! No, <laughs> no way! I can tell you that. Right? Look, no offense to Cleveland people, but <laughs> no way. Orlando. Is, look, I would say this: a year. If you would have told me, okay, two years ago, yeah, you'd ask me my impressions of Orlando. It wouldn't have been so great, like because I mean, I had never been to. I mean, I've been to Orlando for like Disney World, but. Uh, but that that's I, not I, being going to Orlando though. I know, I know, I know. But I hadn't really been to Orlando until 2012 when I was there for the U.S. National Team camp, 
And at the time, it was okay. You know, it was cool. Like, it was chill. But it, 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 I did have my questions about the city. Um, but now, obviously, I went down for the, the, the their first game, Orlando City's first game. I spent a week there. And I, I got a more of a sense for the city. And uh, I got a, I got a good vibe about that, about the place, man. I mean, it's it's they have their downtown is is a thri- it's thriving. It's it's night and day, like compared to what it was three years ago to now, it's much better. Obviously, they have suburbs uh, that are pretty chill. It's 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 underrated, man. It's but no, I'm not moving there. I'm not, <laughs> as much as my wife wants to move to Florida, she can't. She she keeps. You're not old enough yet to move down there. I know. Do you tell hey, her that? No, it's it's a non-starter. I'm not. I'm That's not. That's where people go to die. You're not ready to die yet. I was. Whoa, on. settle down, man. God, <laughs> just got super morbid right there. No, I mean honestly, the only place I could really see myself moving to is LA. LA. I mean, I think I could move to LA. Uh, I don't think I. I I love Portland, as we all know. Uh, but I don't know if I, I don't know if my wife is moving. To, I don't know if my family is going to be down to move to Portland. But uh, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe if Beckham gets that team done, uh, maybe I'll move to Miami. I don't know. Miami's on the... I, I moved to Miami. Of course. Do you... You love Miami, too. Uh, I'm getting old, though, man. I'm getting old, man. I'm an so, old man. Who cares, dude? Don't... Please. It's time to, maybe it is time to move to Orlando. I don't know. Uh, <sighs> Retirement community. No, I won't be visiting you then. Hey, you're right behind me, brother. Oh. <laughs> you're, you're, you're gaining fast. I know. I know. She's, yeah, she's picking out... She's already picking out baby names. I mean, Gary, what? Garrett Jr. is already a twinkle in your wife's, in your fiance's eyes. That's so not happening you. anytime soon, man. We are... dude, <laughs> dude, I saw I saw my reflection in a mirror the other day, and then I thought to myself, like, could I be a dad? <laughs> like, that freaked me out. Mm. Scary stuff, I was. Very scary stuff. Ready. Listen, I would say this. Present day 2015 Garrett is ready to be a dad. Well, compared to, like, uh, 2013 20, Garrett. 2013 Garrett. <laughs> The early SBI show years, no. <laughs> <laughs> the first, the first six months of the SBI show, Garrett, no. And I, but I think you've grown up, man. I feel like people who listen to the show have have uh, have seen me grow up, Ivis. Yeah, it's crazy. Except I mean, I'm still it's... incredibly mature, though. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> yeah, you're aging really fast. Yeah, exactly. Like uh, Benjamin, Benjamin Button. Yeah. All right, <laughs> Ivis. With that, ends today's show. Anything else we need to discuss before I let you go? I don't know, man. I, I don't know, man. I think I, you know, it, it, I think that's it. I mean, I think at this point, the only thing people want to know is when are we ever going to get our schedule in order? I don't know when that's going to happen. Um, I'm working feverishly to start recording shows by myself because yes. we can never get our schedules in order. Because uh, between the time difference and and Garrett's, uh, you know, office job that you know that I work a, at, like I thought I was going to be working less, but I work more. <laughs> yeah, that's not working out for us. Look, uh, you could just do the show full time. Look, if you're a you know person that you want to spend X amount and have your <laughs> face on the show all the time, I mean, I could work at home and do the show full time. There you go. That could happen. There's not a lot of money in soccer radio these days, my man. Unfortunately. There's not a lot of money in soccer to begin with. So I, 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 don't, I don't. I disagree with that. It's true. I think. I think things are things are looking up. Yeah, on things that. are looking up, but you know, we're, we're still a few years away. I don't know about that. I feel like. The, if, I don't know, man. I think things are things are looking pretty good these days. Mm-hmm. Maybe not for us, but in general. <laughs> <laughs> nice. All right, I was with that. I'm gonna let you go, man. Enjoy the week, all right, bud. Yes, sir. And as always, everyone, thank you for listening to the show. And uh, be so kind, give us a review on iTunes. Let you know how you think about the show. Then thank you for the comments as well. 
That is Ivis Glorsip. I am Garrett Cleverly. This is the SBI Show. <laughs>